1: Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Tanko's message today is entitled, The War for Light and the Return to Night. We brought you the first portion of this message yesterday, and we will conclude it here now. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with the War for Light and the Return to Night.
2: The entire generation of grass that saw Jesus come to this earth eventually died. The great generation of the apostolic era passed away. Isaiah says the grass withers, the flower fades. In the first trumpet, all the grass was burned up, meaning the whole generation passed away. So ask yourself the question. What does God do when that generation is gone? What is left when the grass is burned up? Isaiah 40 verse 8 continues. It gives the answer. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God will stand forever. In 1 Peter 1 just before Peter was executed by Nero, he quotes this verse to reassure those early Christians that even though he would die, even though the apostolic age would come to an end, the Word of God would abide forever those early Christians gave us the New Testament witness to Jesus in the apostolic gospel. So the first trumpet represents the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the apostolic era when all the grass died. In Matthew 24, 34, Jesus said, This generation will not pass away until all these things in the Greek begin to happen. In other words, the generation would be there to see the destruction of Jerusalem and the events that he had foresaw. And so it is in the first trumpet. The second trumpet points to the end of the unified Roman Empire, the Pax Romana. It's been called the Roman Peace by Edward Gibbon and others. It really describes history under the Roman rule in the first two centuries that came to an end, as we understand in Scripture, because Jesus brought it to an end. Revelation 8, verse 8, "...the second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea." And a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. In the book of Revelation, a mountain can represent a unified world kingdom system ruled by a king with religious significance attached to it. In other words, it's a spiritual mountain kingdom. In Isaiah 2.2, 2, the mountain is called the mountain of the Lord's house. The harlot church of the apocalypse sits on seven mountains, which represent seven religious phases of world history. Revelation seventeen nine. this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain only a little while. So in Jeremiah fifty one twenty five and 26, God describes the destruction of Babylon the same way. He says, Behold, I am against you, a destroying mountain, says the Lord, which destroys the whole earth. I will stretch out my hand against you, and roll you down from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. No stone shall be taken from you for a corner and no stone for a foundation. But you shall be a perpetual waste, says the Lord. Set up a standard on the earth. Blow the trumpet among the nations. Prepare the nations for war against her. So here we have a burning mountain. What we have is the imagery of the beginning of war. That war brings an end to this great kingdom. In First Peter 5.13, just before he was crucified... By the Roman Emperor Nero, Peter referred to Rome cryptically as the city of Babylon. He, in fact, he refers to the church that is in Babylon, meaning the church in Rome. Rome conquered the world, and it was, and it persecuted the people of God. We find that God's judgment in the second trumpet is on Rome. It was, in fact, Jesus died at the hands of a Roman procurator. A Roman emperor killed Peter and Paul. A, a Roman emperor had John boiled in oil and so on. In the 3rd century, the barbarians swept across the Roman theater and they began to overtake the Roman Empire itself. In 476 AD, the Heruli king, Adovasa, removed the last king of Rome from the throne of Rome. And so the great mountain of fire fell into the sea just like the Bible had predicted, just like ancient Babylon had come to its end. In Isaiah 57, 20, the Bible says, "...the wicked are like the sea." And so a wicked brew of nations, symbolized as the sea, absorbed the culture and religion of the Roman Empire. And so mighty Rome was assimilated into the ten kings of Europe. In the second trumpet, we ask the question, what do fish represent? Now, this is a little easier. In Luke 5, 10, Jesus told Peter that they represent people. He said, "...you will be catching men," of course, referring to fish being a symbol of men." So technically here, fish represent people who have no spiritual king over them. Now, And we know this because of Habakkuk 1.14. Christ isn't grabbing this out of nowhere. He's going back to the Old Testament to get the figure of a fish. Look at Habakkuk one verse fourteen. It says, For thou makest men like the what? What does it say? Like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no king or ruler. So when you think of a fish that needs to be caught in the gospel net, you're really thinking of someone who doesn't have God as king over them. So Christ sent his apostles and the early Christian church out to catch men and women in the gospel net to bring them into the lordship of Jesus Christ, who is the big fish. So the church kingdom was a fish kingdom raised up by the big fish, who is Jesus, who had fishermen like Peter, who caught the fish. Am I right or wrong? That's the basic picture. So the pagan and religious kingdom of Rome... That burned the temple of Jerusalem was eventually judged by God and it fell like a burning mountain into the sea. In the second trumpet, a third of the fish died. What does that mean? In the fourth century, men like Wufala, and you say, Well, who is Wufala? Sounds like you want to bark, right? Wufala. He was a Goth converted to Christ because he was captured and brought to Constantinople. He learned Greek and Hebrew and Latin. And the Gothic people had no written language, so what did he do? He translated the Bible into the language of the barbarians. And then he left when he was free and he went back into that terrible barbaric realm and he transformed the Gothic people into the Christian Visigoth and the Christian Ostrogothic kingdoms of the West. And he made it a holy ground for God. I mean, that's the history that most Christians don't realize. But what transpired was in time, the Bible-believing Christians of the Western Empire surrendered the truths of the Bible, and so a third of the fish died that were in the sea. In the second trumpet, a third of the ships were burned up too. The Vandal King Gesserich, who was part of that converted Christian movement became warlike and abandoned Christian principles, built the largest sea armada in history in the Vandal Wars of the 5th century, and he terrorized the Roman navy of Constantinople. He brought it right up the Bosphorus to choke out the mighty power of Rome. He sacked Rome itself, burned Rome. The second trumpet describes the world of the 3rd to 5th centuries when the Roman world literally fell apart as it sank like a burning mountain into a sea of barbarian invaders. The third trumpet represents the era, in contrast, it moves on, the era of great apostasy, of the Orthodox Christian church, of the East when the springs of the Holy Spirit were polluted, when real Christian experience was corrupted, made bitter by compromise and spiritual adultery. The fall of the Roman world was followed by the spiritual fall that happened inside the church. Look at Revelation 8, verse 10. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven. Blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the fountains of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many died of the water because it was made bitter. In Revelation one twenty, the stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. The stars can be understood as ministers who are led by the seven guardian angels of God that protect the churches In the third trumpet, we were introduced to a fallen church system that used to be connected to a star. A star has fallen. A church has fallen. A star falls from heaven as the leadership of the ancient Orthodox Christian church turned to pagan philosophy and tradition instead of the Bible. They set up creeds instead of exalting Christ They plumbed the depths of philosophy instead of preaching the unadulterated word of God to the people who needed the living bread. They followed men instead of God. And if you doubt what I'm saying is true, read history. It verifies what I'm saying. They battled and they killed people over the silliest little things. The church that gave us the New Testament by forming its canon fell from heaven because it would not surrender to the truths that came from heaven for the church. And so the star that fell was likened to a torch or a lamp. This exact same Greek word is used in Matthew 25 to describe the lamps of the ten virgins. Now, why are there ten virgins? Ten virgins point to commandment-keeping Christians. There are ten because it, it is a reference to the Ten Commandments. Those with lamps who go out to meet the bridegroom, they're represented as Christians who will be ready for the second coming of Christ. In Matthew 24, 12, Jesus warned that There would be lawlessness in the church and the love of many would grow cold. And he gives the reason for the the love growing cold is because lawlessness would be there. At the Ecumenical Council of Laodicea in the year 336 A.D., the church fathers of the world of the 4th century. I mean, this blows my mind. The church fathers came together and they made a decree that became canon law that the Ten Commandment Law of God had been changed by the power of the church. And they took the fourth commandment and they set it aside and they pronounced a curse on anyone who would obey the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandment Law of God. Unbelievable. And when you friends, when you reject the light of the Bible and the Ten Commandments, don't think that Christ's light is going to be around very long. And so the star fell from heaven upon the springs of waters, and it polluted a third of them all. In Exodus 15:27, there were 12 springs of water when Moses led Israel to Elam on the way to Sinai. And there were 70 palm trees there. No, why 12 and 70? The number 12 represented Israel. You see, Israel was to water something. The number 70 represented the nations of the world. In Genesis 10, we have 70 nations. Israel was to water the world with the Word of God. The twelve apostles of the Christian church became the Israel of God in prophecy to water the world with the truth. So in the third trumpet, the fallen star symbolizing a fallen church that gave us the lamp of the New Testament canon. It falls. The light of the star falls. It comes into the pure waters and it pollutes them with error. Its light was snuffed out as the spiritual streams in the church were corrupted by the bitter teaching and influence of paganism and, uh, and philosophy. The Bible says the name of the star is Wormwood. Now, why is Wormwood used here as a figure? Wormwood is used in the Old Testament to describe apostasy at the hands of corrupt prophets and church leaders who lead the people of God astray. Now, let me bring this closer to home right here. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I believe... In every age, there's a little wormwood that goes around. We're not just talking about the Middle Ages or when this stuff got started back then. We've seen evidence of it in our own movement. When people will rise up and divide the remnant church over any issue, denying its unity, denying a chance for the Holy Spirit to work in the midst of the church, there's a little wormwood going along. And when people will substitute the Bible with other things such as philosophy and, and human understandings or, or theological treatises. You can bet your buttons there's wormwood going around. It can happen in any age, but it definitely happened back then. We know that wormwood is a symbol of leaders leading the church astray by corrupt influence and teaching. Jeremiah twenty three fifteen. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood and give them poison water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone forth into all the land. The leaders of the Christian church, the, the corrupt church fathers of the Eastern Orthodox Church, led the church of the 4th to 6th centuries into to direct apostasy. That is what the Bible teaches. They mixed paganism with truth. You know, I know that. I've been to the Vatican. I've seen the burial sarcophagus, which describe the themes of Christian burials from the 1st to the 5th centuries. And you can look right there in the 4th century, and suddenly there are pagan themes mixed with Christian themes on the burial boxes of Christians. It was happening. The archaeological evidence bears witness to it, so does history. They mixed paganism and Bible truth, and they denied Jesus by doing it. They turned the Mass, the Lord's Supper, into a sacrifice. Now why is that so bad? Well, if you don't believe that Jesus died once for you, it isn't so bad. If you believe that He has to die every time you sin, then maybe it's a good idea. The only problem is the Bible doesn't teach that. They turned the Mass into a sacrifice, denying the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The book of Daniel says they made war on the covenant, the new covenant of Christ's blood. They denied that it had been effectual. And so the sweet apostolic gospel was polluted. And made bitter as priests took the place of the great high priest Jesus Christ who serves his people at the golden altar with the prayers of the saints. And eventually the greatest minister of them all became the bishop over everyone. And so the Christian superstar held in great, great awe by that early world fell like a burning torch into the waters and they became wormwood. It was common for gangs to gather and fight to the death over the Trinity. Did you know that? Sports teams would gather in Constantinople and kill each other over who was right on the Trinity. An amazing era of bitterness in the church. And Wormwood is also the symbol of adultery. The the compromising church became a harlot during this awful period of time. In the Old Testament, an unfaithful bride received the bitter drink from the floor of the sanctuary as she fell into pain because of unfaithfulness. Numbers 5.24, and he shall make the woman drink the water of bitterness that brings the curse, and the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause her bitter pain. So let's review the three trumpets here. Trumpet number one. The first trumpet represents the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. when the temple was burned with fire. The second trumpet represents the fall of the pagan Roman religious world and culture. As the barbarians overtook the empires, it was absorbed into a sea of nations that would become the divided Rome of the Middle Ages. The third trumpet represents the fallen church of the early Middle Ages that was corrupted by compromise and creeds. The star of God's minister fell. The star of truth fell. And the torch, which is the word of God, fell too. And that brings us to the fourth trumpet. The fourth trumpet represents the dark ages when the knowledge of truth was on the wane because of apostasy led by the leaders of the Orthodox Christian Church at Constantinople and Rome. From the 6th century to the Reformation, the war on light was rapidly moving the church towards the specter of the blackest night. The first four trumpets provide the story of the war on light and the return to night. Revelation 8.12, the fourth trumpet. The fourth angel blew his trumpet. A third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of their light was darkened. A third of the day was kept from shining, likewise a third of the night. In the Bible, the sun represents the law of God and the written word of God. The moon represents the testimony of Jesus that is the gift of prophecy in the church. And the stars are the light of faithful believers who share the truth with people in a dark world. The day and the night have light because of the sun, the moon, and the stars." And so the heavenly woman that gave us Jesus in Revelation 12, 1 is the heavenly Jerusalem clothed with the sun, the moon, and the stars. As long as the church holds true to the Bible, as long as the church says, yes, we want God's light, it belongs to the heavenly Jerusalem. But friends, the church of the Middle Ages didn't do that. The church is represented in the book of Daniel, in Daniel 8:10, as the host of the stars that were thrown to the ground when the church rejects the bible it falls to the earth like a torch the word of god falls in its hand and it's destined to be quenched by the waters the people of god by definition are light bearers to a dark world during the middle ages the world light dimmed the witness of the christian church in the dark world earning the name the dark ages so the call of the great eagle that follows in revelation 8:13 was the wake up call of the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew in mid-heaven, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets which the three angels are about to blow. The persecuted church of the Middle Ages is described in Revelation 12:14, being assisted by the eagle. Revelation 12:14. But the woman was given the two wings of the what? What does it say in your Bible? The great eagle, that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished, for a time and times and half a times. The three and a half times of Revelation twelve fourteen are the same thing as the twelve hundred and sixty days of Revelation twelve six. And twelve hundred and sixty days represent twelve hundred and sixty literal years, the dark era of the Middle Ages when the church was on the run in the wilderness. Revelation twelve six and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which to be nourished for how many days? What does it say? 1,260 days. So the eagle gave the church the wings to fly into the wilderness in the Middle Ages to feed on the manna of the Bible. It brought it into the wilderness so the Bible would be the food of the church. Because the organized church had rejected the Bible by following church leaders and philosopher-theologians who had disregarded its teachings. There was a need to let the church come into the wilderness. It was the wings of the eagle that saved the church so it could follow the Bible. The last voice of truth in the 1260 years of the Middle Ages was the wake-up call of the Protestant Reformation. The reformers taught that the Bible and the Bible only is the standard of truth. They stood up to the organized church and they died by the hundreds and the flames from the faggot because they would not surrender the truth of the Bible. They taught that by grace alone God has given us salvation. They taught that by faith alone you receive His grace and you are saved by His mercy and you cannot earn salvation. It is a free gift in God. The reference to the eagle is the reformation call back to the Bible, back to the manna that was given to the wilderness, the truths of God's holy word. Now, the eagle in Revelation 12 brought the church into the wilderness, of course, to feed it with the manna of God's word. The eagle in Revelation 8.13 is a direct allusion to Hosea 8.1. Take your Bibles. Turn with me back to Hosea 8.1. Here we have a trumpet, an eagle. Set the trumpet to your mouth. He shall come like an eagle against the house of the Lord. Why? Because they have transgressed my covenant and they have rebelled against my law. In Daniel seven twenty five, the book of Daniel says that they would think to change times and law. And so the eagle says, Whoa, 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 at the blasts of the three trumpets that are about to sound. When the fifth trumpet blows, the sun is fully darkened, and the locusts overtake the earth as the fallen star of the third trumpet is fully fallen in the fifth trumpet. We have partial darkness in the fourth. We have full night in the fifth. And it proves that it is a fallen star by blotting out the light of the sun, by blotting out the light of the Bible. Friend, if you reject the Bible, you will not have any light in your life. If you say, I don't care what this part of the Bible says or that part says, God won't share you the real meaning of any part of the Bible. And so I'm going to put myself on the line here I need to know what the Gospels teach. How many of you are with me? Raise your hand. I need to understand the writings of Paul. Raise your hand. What about the Torah of Moses in the Old Testament? What about the books of Daniel and Revelation? Now, fewer hands went up. Do you see that? You know what? We need the whole Bible, don't we? The whole Bible. If you pick and choose what parts of it are important in your life, you won't get any of it in the end. At the Council of Trent, as a response to the eagle, the great ecumenical Council of Trent, the medieval church leaders came together and they officially rejected the Bible as authority in the church. And so the sun became darkened. Friends, we need the sun of the law of God. We need the light of the world, the sun shines in the face of Jesus. And the Bible and the church today cannot be compromised. We need the moon in times of darkness, which is the prophetic testimony of Jesus given to the church to bring it back to the Bible. We need the stars who will shine and share the truth at the end of time when men and women need to know the truths that are necessary for the times of the end. The fallen star is not the one to fall in the last days. A fallen church cannot save you if it rejects the Bible. There is a star that will not let you down, And there is a light that will never go out in your life. You see, the Bible points to the greater light. Jesus is the living Word of God. Jesus is the rock that the church is built upon. Christ is the light that illumines the darkness of every soul that needs God. And Christ gave us the Bible so the light would shine in the darkest of times. That means in your darkest days to point you to Jesus. Friend, Jesus says in Revelation twenty two sixteen, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star.
1: Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed today's broadcast, remember that there are many more of these sermons available for you at reachingyourheart.com. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast or if you've just tuned in for the first time and have been inspired by this sermon and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888 244 hope day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts. And you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. Spiritualism, in a variety of forms, is making its way through the Western world. The afterlife, the spirit world, and spirit mediums can be found in movies, best-selling books, and popular TV programs. These themes are making their way into our children's entertainment, even. We had this free book to help you understand things a little bit better, entitled Dark Tunnels or Bright Lights. This book candidly reveals biblical truth, about this subject and pulls the curtain aside to reveal why there is so much interest in this topic. The book reveals the deceptions of spiritualism based on biblical teachings so that you can confidently discern truth from error as the topic continues to gain momentum across all levels of society. Now, this book is absolutely free. You can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. Thanks for tuning in, and we pray that God is reaching your heart and growing you up in Christ through these messages.
0: Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.